Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. They're not just buying it because they like it. It's almost like a test. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, you learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn the key points to include in a product description, how to justify your product's prices, especially if they are higher than average, and how to encourage upsells and cross-sells to your customers. Today, I'm joined by Jacob and Thomasina from Lavish Shoestring. Lavish Shoestring is the largest online supplier of beautiful vintage and antique homewares and was started in 2012 and based out of Oxford. Welcome, Jacob and Thomasina. Hello. Hi, Felix. Yeah, so excited to have the both of you on. So tell us a bit more about uh, the, the, the business that you run and, and what, what exactly do you sell? We sell uh, antique, vintage, and uh, good quality secondhand uh, homewares. So it's basically uh, all the categories uh, like tableware, uh, tea categories, uh, you know, things that you use for, for, for wine parties and so on. So it's everything that you can use, uh, you know, for dining at home. Uh, these are items in good condition. Uh, they're usable and uh, uh, we sell to a really wide uh, audience. Uh, traditionally, these things are sold to sort of antique collectors or sort of antique antique buyers, but uh, we bring it to a really wide audience, uh, not necessarily to people who you know, go to auction houses, but just people who want uh, unusual, beautiful, uh, well-made uh, items for the, mm-hmm. for the home. Now, you, you, you both obviously saw that there was room in the market for uh, you guys to come in and, like you're saying, bring the, these products that were typically not available or to the general public to, to now be very accessible because they obviously can go to your site and, and buy a lot of these products. So how did you, where did you see this? How did you see that there was a business to be, to be started in this, uh, in this area? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well... This isn't the first foray into um, selling homewares that we've done before. I mean, we did it um, kind of part-time for many years. And um, we realized that there was um, a larger market or an audience out there for these kinds of products. Um, I mean, I... uh, I have a background in antiques, but uh, when Jacob and I married um, 13 years ago, um, I had a bit of a break from working. And some of the companies that he worked for, um, they would have budgets for gifts for employees, like when they got married or or corporate gifts and things like that. And they were always asking me... um, you know, Thomasina, could you go and um, find something really interesting, um, you know, to give for a gift? And I would always find these wonderful things. I would usually come under budget from the money that they'd allocated for these things. And everybody loved the things that I bought. And Jacob finally said to me, you know, I know you've had a bit of a break from being in antiques. And I really think you should uh, let me 
build you a website and you can sell worldwide and 24 hours a day and sell this to lots of people who um, maybe are not antique collectors. They're um, probably, we thought about it, we thought the problem with antiques is that as soon as younger people hear that word, they think, oh, wow, it's got to be expensive because mm-hmm. it's old. And most of these things um, are not expensive, even though they're old, because they were manufactured, say, during the late Georgian and the Victorian era. And this is the era of, you know, the industrial age and things were mass produced. So there is a lot of it out there and it's well made. They're beautiful designs. They're unusual, you know, fantastic colors, patterns. And probably a lot of the new products that are made today are copies of these things. And so Jacob and I both thought that we should really concentrate on bringing it to a younger audience who, you know, when you have your first job, you're out of university, you're furnishing your first flat or your first home, instead of going to, you know, the department store or something like that, you want something unusual, but because you're in your first job, you don't have time to go shopping because usually, you know, you're working long hours in your first job because you're trying to make a really good impression (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you're having to travel home, whether it's on the train or whatever. And really that's the only time you're able to, to buy because the weekends you might spend going to a party or something with your friends or you're visiting your parents or something like that. And you, and you don't have time to go out and shop for things for your home, let alone, you know, clothing and things like that. So most people are buying online. And so we thought we want to, you know, make antiques and vintage items accessible for younger people So build a website that would be easy to navigate and um, easy for them to look at it on their phone or their iPad or whatever uh, when they're going into work and, you know, and then they can, they can buy products and it's really bringing it to a younger audience who can't go to auctions during the week or don't have time and don't know anything about them. Oh, Jacob's putting his finger up. He wants to interject and say something about this as well. Go ahead. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. But um, I also want to uh, focus some on something that is probably not very obvious. Um, you see, Felix, to, to buy uh, antiques or to shop for antiques and sort of old items, uh, typically you need knowledge. You need to, to know mm-hmm. what you're doing. Because it's not something that you can uh, shop around. Uh, sort of, for example, you're looking at uh, you're looking at an old teapot, a 19th century teapot. Uh, you you don't really know what it is. Uh, you're being asked to to spend money, uh, and you need to think what it is. You really need to uh, to know what you're looking at. Uh, you can't easily compare prices because it's not an item that's being sold by sort of all the department stores, and you mm-hmm. can just shop around shop online and compare the prices and, 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 and styles and choose you know, whatever is, is the most appropriate for you. Uh, so all the, most of these things, are, they're different and they're sort of one-offs. So really, you, you need to know what you're doing. And if you are shopping on a marketplace, you know, for example, you know, well-known eBay, 
so again, you really need to know what is it that you're buying. You either rely on uh, on the description of a uh, of a seller. Now, if it's a reputable dealer, it's an old-fashioned dealer, and they know what they're doing. Uh, yes, you can rely on them, but in that case, sort of the price will be typically higher because they they do uh, charge for the expertise. Uh, or really, you need to re- to know what you're doing. So really, we wanted to demystify this market and to bring it to wider audience and uh, to to make shopping for for these old items uh, really in the same way as as you shop for really anything else uh, online uh, and and then really to demystify it. Mm. Now you, you mentioned something I want to touch on. It was is that th- there is difficulty whenever any entrepreneur is uh, essentially uh, finding and reselling a product. But you you have even I think a, even a, a, a bigger challenge in that you are looking for products to to sell that are no longer being produced. What kind of unique challenges come with with having to to find and stock this kind of inventory? Yeah, absolutely. This is. <laughs> You know, the first uh, first one asking <clears throat> when we went uh, uh, we went uh, a few years ago to uh, to raise money. So this was the first question we were asked by uh, mm-hmm. by all investors because they said, you know, you tell me that you can be the biggest shop and you can have uh, sort of you know, the numbers you're telling us about. Uh, how how on earth can you can you source I don't know ten thousand teapots and you know a thousand decanters because it's not a factory. Uh, you can't come to a factory and say you know you're not dealing in flip flops. You you just can't order it in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a challenge. But uh, first of all, uh, what um, what you have to realize is that this is a big market. This is a massive market because we're talking about uh, not one-off items, but uh, uh, of the past, uh, we probably have at any given time uh, items from the past 250 years. Uh, and a lot has been made in, in the past 250 years. Uh, they were mass produced. I mean, the mass production comes in Victorian times. We're talking about 19th century industrial revolution. Uh, so there are a lot of these items. Uh, the only difference is that they are dispersed in different places. But the, this is a really, really big uh, market. And you have, uh, you know, there are many different sourcing uh, places. Uh, we built up a structure of, of uh, supply. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I will not reveal <laughs> too, too, too much. Sure. How, how, how we source these items, but uh, we source them in different ways. And one of the main uh, sources, is we, we have suppliers who, who are not uh, uh, not our workers, but actually bring these items to us because this is a very, very big market. And uh, uh, because it's not a very transparent market uh, to sort of everyday shoppers, so there is a perception that uh, these items are really unique and it's very difficult to find them. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a very, very big market. And we are located in, in Britain, Historically, this is one of the big centers of, for, for these items. And uh, Tomasina hasn't, uh, hasn't mentioned, but uh, uh, one of the things that she has done is uh, sort of, you know, she, she, she traded in antiques all her life and uh, she shipped containers all around the world from Britain, from Europe with these items. Uh, so uh, it is a big market. The challenge, challenge was uh, to, to create a steady supply of, of, of these items. And this is one of the things that we are uh, solving in this market because it's a very, uh, it's a very disjointed, it's a very uh, uh, fragmented uh, uh, market, both in supply and and in sales. And so this is one of the things that we are uh, solving. And uh, we're probably not your traditional uh, merchant in that sense because 
uh, yes, you see one of our sort of the the, the the retail side of our business is, is on Shopify and it's all well and good. We we have about uh, sort of depends on the times, but we have any, anywhere between three and a half to sort of 5,000 items in stock and uh, it is growing now. And uh, obviously with the season, it, it grows uh, sort of Christmas sales. Uh, it will be, the stock will be growing. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to mention three and a half thousand to five thousand products, and another challenge with with the industry or the the business model that you have is that because these are all essentially one off products, you have the, you have to create new product pages and new photos every time, right? It's not scalable like in a in a in a business where you are mass producing an item. You only have to have one product page and one image, and you can sell a bunch of them. You have to create a new one for essentially every time you want to sell a new product. Now, how do you manage all of this so that you aren't spending all day just creating photos or taking photos and creating product pages? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is, this is the you, you came to the core to the core product of Lavish Stream. So in reality, we're actually a technology company, sort of behind the, the scenes, uh, because we uh, we have developed a tool that allows us to catalog uh, and handle uh, these items on a massive scale. Uh, so I'll give you an example. If uh, if an auction house, uh, and we have many auction houses in Britain, I mean, many in the States as well. So if you're taking a, a small regional auction house, they probably have a sale uh, every two weeks. Uh, when we're talking about household items, old household items, uh, antique items. Uh, they have a sale every couple uh, weeks. Uh, for, the, for the sake of an argument, let's say they have 1,000 items in the sale. Uh, so to catalog those items, uh, it depends on, what is the level of cataloging that they're doing, sort of description and photography, uh, they need uh, a small team of people. And all they can produce is 2,000 uh, items a month. And it's probably a team of probably 10 people. Uh, so uh, we uh, we can scale, I mean, we, we build a tool that scales this uh, really exponentially. I mean, we, 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 can, we can handle endless amounts of uh, items. We know what are the resources we need. And uh, what we do is, is uh, we have a massive, we compile the massive database and uh, we use artificial intelligence in, in cataloging these items. So if you look at our site, uh, you can actually see that every single item is uh, presented in, in a uniform uh, way. So whether you're, you're looking, for example, you know, take, take I, I love this category of decanters, you know, wine decanters, whiskey decanters. So if you look at decanters, uh, every single decanter is actually cataloged in, in, in a similar way. They're all different. Uh, characteristics are different. They're all of different age, different price, uh, different technique, uh, but they're cataloged in the same way. And uh, most of the uh, text that you see there is actually machine generated based on our database and, and, and uh, using our artificial intelligence uh, uh, so, so that is actually our core product because that's what allows us to to scale up this business. Uh, in terms of in terms of photography, because otherwise you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't, and, and that's why nobody's done it before. Um, if if you think about um, looking at websites online, um, dealers, shops, even um, you know like antique collectors and things that have websites. Um, it's very difficult for them to get that amount of stock and, and get it online and cataloging it, uh, let alone going out and buying it. You know, it's, 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 it's impossible to do, you know, unless you had something like what we have. 
that we've developed. So what we what we do uh, uh, produce uniquely for each item is at this moment at least uh, is photography because uh, most of these items are, are slightly different. Even even I mean they are mass produced. Even though we have and we quite often get identical items from the same manufacturer from the same date, same factory. Uh, but we still uh, photograph every single item uh, individually. And that's simply because everyone has a different uh, degree of, of wear um, and sort of looks slightly different because they are, you know, most of them, they are uh, handmade or with with a high degree of, uh, of manual uh, labor. So the, decoration. Yeah, so the photography like is, uh, is, is unique. Uh, but once again, we have a system sort of that we, we can handle quite large amounts of, uh, of photography and uh, further on, photography as well can be automated. Uh, but it's the description and, and the recognition of what is it we have uh, that is automated. And because we reuse, uh, reuse these templates, so that's, that's how we can scale up uh, the process. Quite often we have, uh, we, we actually uh, do not create the new uh, products or the new product pages. Uh, we simply update the inventory. And we know that because we have everything uh, on record and uh, everything is kept in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, you are right. You know, it's, there is no way around it. We are creating uh, new products all the time, and we do keep uh, the sold-out products. We do keep on the site. I mean, we have to do uh, a fair degree of uh, of modification to Shopify, obviously, with with our team. Uh, but we do keep the sold-out products uh, on record. They are not visible on the front end, but we do use that uh, uh, on the back end. Mm-hmm. I'll explain later how we use it. God, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at at least one of the the um, the cancers now. Looking at the product description, and it certainly does seem like it's written by a human and not a not by AI. And I think that this is very interesting for a lot of store owners because I, I believe one of the most painful parts for store owners is creating the product pages, especially if you have a large uh, skew, if you have a lot of SKUs, or you have a large catalog. So much so that I often see. Uh, store owners that are reselling products that they will just copy the manufacturer's description because they don't want to go through the process, the often painful process of writing their own product descriptions. So tell us, like, how, do, how, do, how, does this, how, does, how does it get used? Like, what are the inputs into this uh, AI that, that is uh, required to produce essentially a product page that's ready to go? Um. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but part of it, I you know, uh, do forgive me if I don't tell you all the things because it's actually our secret and that's because that that's our core uh, product. But uh, essentially, we have a massive database which is off off Shopify. It's 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 running our backend separate from uh, from Shopify, and this is where we catalog all the products. And there is a certain way of of, of doing these things. Uh, it's it's there is an image recognition um, involved. Uh, and uh, to to give a very simple example, um, uh, yeah, to, to give a very simple example, it's it's we start with with certain parameters for every product, and uh, even though to people who, who look at these items and they look really different, you know, you, if you look at a tip of this, well, one tip of this is ceramic, one tip mm-hmm. of this. Uh, you know, okay. silver plated. Uh, another one is probably glass, and you know, another one is silver. Uh, they look so different, but in reality, they it's a teapot. I mean, it's a teapot and has certain characteristics, and uh, uh, it, it is used for for the, for the same 
purpose. Uh, so we start for every product, we start with certain parameters. And as we start inputting these parameters, uh, our systems basically completes everything else. Uh, that, that's a simplistic explanation of it. And because there is an image, because there is an image recognition involved, and because we photograph every single uh, item in the same way, for example, if, if we if we're talking about plates, so every plate is photographed in the same way. So for our system, it's quite easy to pick up what is what, mm. and obviously, mm. the bigger bigger the database is, uh, the easier it is for us to to to, to catalog these items. Got it. And the, uh, so everything is sitting in that database, and from there. We connect it to to our different platforms. Uh, I mean, Shopify is, is the obvious one, uh, so we push it there. Um, but we, when we started, we we actually started not on Shopify. Our first sales were on marketplaces. That's probably like many other merchants start because this is the easiest way and this is the sort of the simplest way of getting uh, traction and getting your first customer. So again, we just plug this database into uh, into different marketplaces and. Uh, Distributed all our uh, products, uh, products there. But just to 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 touch on what you said, um, uh, we thought because we have quite a long long experience of of writing about products, and uh, we uh, when we started with uh, uh, you know a few years ago, we thought well we just need to give so much more information about every product, and we we, we wrote stories, really really long stories. And then pretty uh, pretty fast we realized that this story about a product can become boring. I mean, there is a fine line. You need to give all the information about the product, obviously, uh, but but at some point it can become boring and and irrelevant. Uh, some people like it. Some shoppers will like it, and they will read and they will probably ask questions. But uh, uh, you need to find that fine line about uh, writing about every product. And once again, it cannot be too mechanical, like you say, taking taking just the manufacturer's description. Um, I I, that, that, I don't think that's right because then, w- w- what kind of value do you give uh, uh, to, the yeah, to the product and to to, to, yeah. to your user? You need to be to, to be to find that really sort of sweet uh, sweet middle where you you do add value in in your description and and, and show the, obviously the product from the best. Right. So. Yeah, so can you talk about this a little bit more? I think because you have so much experience creating these product descriptions and because you need to have essentially some kind of template that you work off of, I'm sure you guys spent a lot of time understanding what are the key things that need to be included in every single product description. Can you give us some tips on that? Like, What are some key things that you recommend uh, store owners include in their product description to, to make it uh, an improved and to offer value in, in the product page? I would start definitely with images. Images is is a really really c- uh, central uh, part. And uh, once again, you know, I can talk about uh, our types of uh, products, but because we trade in in such a variety of of, of products, uh, you know, homewares, um, images, good images, is basically is a must. You can't do without that. And in fact, that actually, uh, when we uh, first started with Shopify, that dictated to us which template we use. And we chose a template. It was, I don't remember how much it cost, but it was one of the, not the free, but one of the basic uh, templates that we paid for that basically had the biggest images. Uh, everything was the product page and the collection pages, they were focused on images. Because the better images you give to your customers, and especially with our products that are, uh, they're not brand new. 
give your customer to 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 understand your product. Uh, and yeah, what we also realized is that you cannot, at least in our case, uh, you cannot provide too many pictures. Uh, just show show the products from all sides, uh, because uh, <laughs> we also realize that if you do not show something, then the users think, well, something is wrong. Why didn't mm-hmm. they show this angle? And they will ask a question. Because if you show the product from all the sides and the, the, the images are really beautiful and maybe they you show your products in, in the context uh, uh, to, to, to judge scale, uh, to judge color palette as well, uh, that will reduce the amount of questions your customers will ask. Right, because you clearly have nothing to hide if you're showing all angles of the products. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that actually gives also a degree of, of uh, confidence to your to your user to, to, to the shopper they uh, again I mean this is a proven thing take our example we deal in items that sometimes are broken they're not perfect I mean by definition if we sell an item which is you know hundred years old it is it cannot be a perfect item so it has been used even though it was sitting on somebody's shelves for for hundred years it still has a degree of wear and uh, uh, we are not ashamed about that I mean we, we, we show all these things. And uh, uh, the user customer appreciates that. They actually want to see all these things. You have nothing to, to hide. It's absolutely perfectly clear what, what they are uh, uh, looking at, what they are buying, and essentially what they will get. Um, because, I mean, you can always say, well, you can provide uh, you know, all these communication uh, tools, you know, chat and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Facebook chat and, and, and whatever for, for, for them to communicate with you, that's really unnecessary because uh, not everyone will use it. And you have just one, you have a customer on, on, on the product page or let's say for a split of a second and they want to make a decision. They just want to understand what is it they're dealing with. Uh, and if you give them that information, it's priceless. And it's mm-hmm. not if, you, if, you, if you're taking one image, you can take two images. <laughs> it's, it's not, it doesn't take, uh, take too much time, at least in our, in, in, in our case. But that will will add a lot, right? So you're almost you're almost saying that if the customer has to reach out to you, then it's probably a failure on the product page that the product page hasn't conveyed or explained or demonstrated the product enough that they no longer have questions. That they now still have questions and now they're reaching out to you. Definitely, it's either that or. Uh, we fail to explain um, uh, some, some sort of service, for example, shipping. Or if they, uh, well, that's that sort of then would be good if they want something really, really fast and they uh, uh, have a question about really fast delivery. But yes, if they are reaching to you, to us, and they're asking about the product, then it means something went wrong. Um, because the product, between the images and the description, uh, it should be really enough to understand what this product is. and and. Actually, I mean, we have a very long history of uh, 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 of, of record sort of trial and error, mm-hmm. and uh, we have very little uh, communication from customers asking about the products. I mean, we, we reached right. a point where, you know, whatever we are doing is pretty clear, it's pretty enough for the customer. Plus, uh, if you look at our site, I mean, the description is is uniform. We we cover uh, uh, sort of the set uh, points for every product. Uh, whether it's a condition, whether it's uh, the color, the, the the size, and so on, but also anyone who wants to read a bit more, we give different snippets. So we have more content on the 
product page and 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 around the site and definitely on our on our blog we have a wiki wiki section where they can actually read a bit in depth about the products whether they want to understand what this you know we're talking about certain styles what that style is what that period is uh, uh, so that we have that information in text for, for, for the more interest interested customers as well. Right. I like I like that there is uniformity between all of the product descriptions because you are almost training and coaching the customer to understand how can they get to the information they care about as quickly as possible. If they come to your page and they always see there's a, a section about the condition of the product, about the size right underneath it, there's a, there's a style note and it's a very clear breakdown of what they can expect from each different section it makes it a lot easier for them to to look for that when they go to the next product so I think that that's something that I haven't seen too much in other stores but I, I certainly as a as a consumer as a browser of your site I definitely feel that 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 reduces the friction uh, when I want when I want to get to information we always uh, because we, boot, we we started as a bootstrapped uh, startup uh, and we looked at the big guys and we learned from the big guys. So I always looked at Wikipedia. I mean, why Wikipedia is so popular? It's not necessarily because it's always correct. Uh, but it's purely, in my belief, it's purely because it's, it's, it's familiar. It doesn't matter what you're searching, uh, you know, what terms you're searching and reading about. You will know that the structure mm -hmm. of the page is the same and the information will be familiar, will be given to you in a familiar way. And that's yeah. why it's so I think that's also a, a relief for, I think, a lot of store owners because it means that you don't have to get too creative all the time with, you actually don't want to get too creative with the structure, at least, of your product description. You want to have some kind of structure to it and then come in and fill in the parts and then maybe in those parts you can get creative, but you shouldn't want, you shouldn't have to reinvent the product page every single time you create a new product. Absolutely. Uh, now, I want to talk a little bit about something you mentioned earlier, which was that, I think it was Steve Tomasina, that you mentioned that uh, the customer cannot compare prices because of the nature of the products that you're selling. Do you find that this is a good thing or a bad thing for, for the business that there is a, a limit on you know, how many products they can essentially compare because they probably can't find this product that you have on your site anywhere else? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, well, I, it, it depends on, on the customer, for one. I mean, uh, if, if you're online buying antiques, you either um, have them in your home, you grew up with them, um, you understand them, maybe it's a hobby, you go out on the weekends and you go antiquing. Um, what was that that used to be on the Fraser program? Antiquing is not a verb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people do it as a hobby. So you've got that kind of person and they, and they know what they're looking at in a shop. You know, they're familiar with the way auctions work and antique fairs or antique markets and things like that. But then you have other types of people who, like I was saying earlier, uh, because of the hours they work and family commitments and, and things like that, um, th doing those kinds of things aren't really as accessible. And, you know, uh, if you look in magazines, home interior magazines, um, all of them, Homes and Garden, Veranda, just all kinds of magazines, you find all these room settings and, and so people are mixing contemporary things with antique and vintage 
And so people are wanting these products, but they don't know where to get them, you know? And so that's why, um, you know, we thought about, especially on our website, having diverse products, all different price levels, all different periods, and all different styles so that there would be something there for anybody. And, and, and say when we started, we, we really did think about young people and, and the budgets that everyone lives on today. And so, you know, it, it was me insisting more than Jacob that, you know, we have to have something on there that someone can buy for $12. You know, if you're starting out buying and, and you've never bought an antique in your life, but say you're a girl and you want to have a tea party and everyone's doing vintage tea parties and all that, there had to be something on there that, you know, your first thing that you bought, you could buy very inexpensively and then you would get that and that would give you the confidence then to buy again, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, you could buy jam spoons for us for six pounds and, and, and you, you could buy a cup and saucer for 12 and then, you know, we still sell things for thousands as well. You know, so there's something for everybody. I see. So even though they cannot compare on price with other... Comparing on price, I'll get to that. I know, I'm a bit long-winded. Uh, comparing on price, you know, um, that's a difficult thing too. Because even for me as the, uh, I'm the wholesale buyer, um, even I, if I'm looking at, say, say a um, Blue Willow meat platter different places where I might go to buy them, they're all different price ranges for me to buy as well, you know, and I, and I'm the one with the knowledge. So I discern whether I should pay that price for it or it's too expensive and I reject it and I don't buy it. And, and I believe that's the same for a customer, but I, I think it's much more difficult for the retail customer because you have all these diverse places to buy from um, whether it's a, like I said earlier, an, uh, a, an antique fair, a, a Sunday market, uh, a shop uh, online, even say you're. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, Jacob. <laughs> no, I just want to. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Says is, is right, but uh, it's actually the pricing uh, is part of uh, demystifying this market. This was this was our task to demystify this market. And the, the pricing is essential part of it. First of all, we cannot shock uh, a customer with some some sort of outrageous prices, and the prices should be um, understandable to to our customers. Uh, so that's why we try. I mean, we we have a certain pricing technique. Uh, so, so 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 when 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 users uh, look at these these items, even though they cannot find exactly the same item elsewhere, I mean, some of them they will be able to find because it's quite quite easy. But most of these items they won't be able. Uh, still, the price should be uh, comparable to to new items, for example. Mm. So if you know a- anyone who is looking again at the teapot, they roughly understand what the price of a teapot should be. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, a teapot can have different uh, price uh, tiers. And uh, the more expensive it becomes, uh, we are trying to explain what it is. So, for example, if it's a sterling silver teapot. Yes, you know people. People will understand that it it, it will cost uh, a bit more. But if it's just a ceramic teapot, uh, it should make sense. The price should make sense to them, even without going and comparing, uh, uh, looking for the, exactly the same 
teapot elsewhere. Um, I, I, I like. I want to touch on this. I like this point that you made, which is that as a product becomes more expensive, especially compared compared to other products that are like it, you need to spend more time to explain why it's going to cost more. Can you say a little bit about a little bit more about this? Like, what are some ways that you demonstrate why a product is going to cost more than uh, you know something that you can maybe buy new uh, that is not uh, an antique? Yep, definitely. I mean, the, the obvious part of it is, is the rarity. Uh, if the product is rare uh, and it's really, uh, uh, you can't find easily another one like that or very, very similar, then it justifies the price. So yeah, you need to explain that it's a rare product. And you, uh, and again, it's not enough just to say, okay, it's a rare product, you know, unusual. You probably need to explain why it is a rare product and why it is unusual. In our case, it's, it, it's usually manifests in, in design. Uh, the design is quite unusual. And uh, if we highlight that and, and, and sort of if you're a design savvy and you understand styles and, and sort of you, you have a good eye, so you will see, yes, it's, it's quite an unusual pattern or unusual design. It looks you know, nice. Uh, fashion plays a lot. Uh, in, 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 you know, it's, it's an important factor because different things become fashionable at you know, different times. And typically fashionable items, they command a premium price. Uh, so you can point, point out that, uh, uh, I mean, the simple thing is, is, is the material. It's a rare material. It's an expensive material commodity like silver, for example. That's pretty simple. People understand it's, it's, it's a more expensive than just, let's say, ceramic. Um, if it's, uh, I mean, if, if, if I'm making a parallel, uh, uh, comparison with contemporary items, so designer items, I mean, there are also, so to speak, designer items in antiques. With antiques, they're simply really uh, well-respected makers. You know, if you're talking about Wedgwood, for example, old old Wedgwood uh, yeah, dinnerware is it will command a premium because it's a really really good manufacturer and a good manufacturer. It's it's you know it's a really really good uh, uh, good good material and you know the, the, the execution of of the items. So, so you need to expand a little bit and explain to the customer. But once again, not to be heavy-handed, because there is a, I, I believe there is a fine line. If you start uh, preaching about the item, it becomes really, uh, you know, the item can become really heavy and uh, you can scare away the customers. But you should give, uh, if you give consistently for all these items, consistent information and the snippets of information and where appropriate, you expand and you explain a bit more, then it's absolutely fine. I mean, don't think about, I mean, people, people who show up your users, they're, they're clever people. I mean, they, uh, um, they shouldn't be spoon fed, uh, all this information. So just as long as you give, give them the information consistently, uh, truthfully and openly, uh, they will make their, their decision. They will understand. And especially if, especially if it is consistent, they've seen that, uh, you know, they're looking for, for, they're shopping for a teapot and they've looked at you know, 30 teapots on your site. Uh, if the information between these 30 teapots is consistent, even though the pricing is very different, they will understand uh, the reason behind that. Mm -hmm. Now, do you find that your your customers, they know exactly what they're looking for, or are they usually browsing and then discovering a product that, that they want? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, they certainly know uh, some sort of uh, initial parameter. It's, it's typically categories, so if you're, again, product category that they're looking for. 
uh, or uh, on the other hand, it can be, uh, it's a really, really popular, for example, blue and white. I mean, everyone knows blue and white, it's been around for, you know, a couple hundred years or, or more. Uh, so they, 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 they come from, from that search. And, uh, but once they see the variety of these products, for example, in that category or in that pattern, uh, they also may discover, yes, of course, they, they will discover other products and they will buy other products. Uh, typically, with us, uh, people who buy, uh, we do see a pattern uh, in, in, in a purchase. It's, uh, I mean, we, we you know, routinely have people who buy uh, several products at a time. So there is a pattern. Uh, there is also a pattern with our return customers that they're sort of coming back for a certain theme of items. Um, so I think it's a, it's a bit of both. They do people do know what they are looking for. Um, mm. If you give them a variety, an easy variety, they will also shop for other things. Got it. Now, does your marketing change, or what have you learned or realized about your marketing to attract more of the customers that are buying uh, multiple products or the you know higher basket value or getting customers that are returning? Are there different ways to market to, or have you learned different ways to market to reach more of those types of customers? Uh, the repeat customers specifically, or or new customers? Um, I guess new customers that uh, that are coming in and buying a lot of one of a lot from you from the first time. We can start there. People who buy a lot to begin with, they 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 buy for a need. For example, I mean, it's it's for example, they buy for a party. Okay, so and 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 if if we see, we definitely see either a theme uh, that they're buying, sort of cer- certain pattern, the same pattern. Uh, of items or the same uh, uh, same period or yeah. the same product. So, for example, you know, just re- very recently was an order uh, we fulfilled to London of uh, uh, many, many, many decanters. So, obviously, you know, in that case, they probably have any party. Uh, uh, and if it's the same style, again, they can have a party and they they're setting up setting up a table. Uh, so there is a theme. It's 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 very rare to find that someone is buying it. You know. A tea set and uh, and the chest of drawers. These are quite different. <laughs> now, what what effective ways have you found to to try to to uh, encourage this to essentially upsell them? I mean, let's say they come and they they buy uh, you know a tea cup. How do you encourage them to check out uh, more products that they can buy that are related to the original purchase? We uh, we show them items that uh, uh, both. Uh, uh, we don't do it right now in brow- in browsing. We haven't implemented it yet because uh, we switched to this. Uh, we had a change change in the site recently. But uh, we show them items that are uh, they they go they complement uh, whatever they purchased. So, for example, if you if if you ordered uh, plates, uh, there are many other things that can go with plates. If you need cutlery, if you need uh, serving dishes, and so on. And again, they're in, in the same style or in the similar style in in the similar fashion. Uh, uh, emailing to the customer immediately after the order uh, really works well because before uh, the order is shipped they can actually come back and uh, uh, add some more items that they may not have uh, discovered while browsing. Uh, it's, it's all around uh, complementing whatever they purchased in, in, in style, in our case, in style and not so much functionality because if they bought a set of plates, there is no point to give them another set of plates, but mm-hmm. it's in the style. And uh, luckily with us, we have, uh, even though these products are fairly unique, we always have a complementing style uh, to whatever they uh, purchase. 
Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the main thing. Uh, really good, successful uh, uh, email campaign, for example, for us. It's a weekly new arrivals because we have fresh stock coming in all the time. Uh, so that works very well on our repeat customers. Uh, they just want sort of every Friday, they want to see what's new in stock and they do that. So that works uh, really well. Right. New products are always a great excuse to to reach out to your Absolutely. customer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a very low uh, unsubscribe rate because people really want to see. I mean, not necessarily they'll click immediately and they'll go to your site. We just give them a sample of uh, of what, uh, what what's new in stock. And we typically try to keep it uh, to a theme. It's either... You know, it's either a holiday theme or, or, or a theme of products, you know, a color, style, uh, period, and so on. And they just want to keep uh, to be connected. In our case, there is there is a strong role to seasonality, for example. So we're coming into winter holidays now. So there will be a really, really sharp switch to in, 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 in types of products that people will be buying with us. So we'll obviously target those products more. Uh, we'll keep stocks with these products and we'll also promote these products uh, uh, more heavily because simply this is what people are looking uh, looking for in this uh, period also you know you you asked about how do you how do you um, upscale people say the first time purchaser someone who bought a teacup and saucer how mm-hmm. do you get them to buy more expensive items from you I, I think they do that themselves because a lot of the people who buy, um, small items from us are really the people who are first-time antique and vintage buyers, and um, they they had never thought of buying something like that because they had always bought new. And so, when they buy that first thing, that first teacup and saucer, they're not just buying it because they like it. It's almost like a test to see when it arrives, is it as nice as it looked in the photograph? Is it as nice a quality that I expected, like I would expect from a new product Um, and and all of that? So it's kind of a a test purchase. And then once they're confident that it arrives safely, it wasn't broken, it was was better looking even than the photograph, you know, we get lots of... um, we have thousands of, of positive comments from first-time buyers who say, oh, you know, I, I never thought of buying antique before, and um, I've always been afraid because I thought it was expensive, and, and, you know, this looked really pretty, and then I thought it wouldn't be as nice when it arrived, but it was actually better, and I really like it, and I'll buy again. And then once they feel confident with that small purchase, we see them, they become our regular customer and they, they, you know, they choose bigger items and slowly, slowly they do start getting into more expensive things because then they're confident. They're confident in the product. They were confident in us and our description and everything. And, and that's just the way it's happened. Mm -hmm. We see a pattern in it. That's a great. That's a great point. I think that uh, what you're getting at is that even if you are selling your flagship product and it's uh, you know a very expensive product or at least uh, prohibitively expensive for a first time buyer, it's important to have an essentially an entry level product that you're selling so that you can begin this 
new type of relationship with the person visiting your site. They're no longer just a visitor. Now they're a customer and they're doing business with you in a very low risk way by buying a low cost, you know, entry level product from you. And then once they can, once you deliver on you know, the promise of the product, the promise of the service, then they can trust doing business with you and then they might scale up their spending with you from there. I think this is a, this is a point that is really important because a lot of times store owners would think that the relationship essentially kind of ends right on that on that sale or sorry between showing them an, an ad or hitting them with an email and then getting them to buy maybe the main product that you're advertising but there's a step in there that I think is really important especially for new stores or stores that maybe don't have a lot of reputation yet or not a lot of reviews yet you need to make it very low risk for that first time customer to do business with you so they can build that trust and eventually return and buy more from you and it sounds like your business is built a lot on that because there are people that aren't familiar, aren't sure how to how to buy antiques online and by offering a lower lower cost uh, entry level product, they can begin down that journey. And I think that that's a great approach to to teaching people about a new industry, teaching people about a new way to buy products. Uh, you're absolutely right, and I can actually take it one step uh, further. Uh, you, uh, I mean, when when we started, we didn't have a lot of stock. And, you know, we were completely, let's say, novices and uh, we didn't have a lot of money to start, you know, shipping free products or anything like that. But uh, uh, the relationship is is essential. And I think if you can establish yourself as a uh, um, as an authority in your field, whether it's a small field, a niche one or a big one, you need to be some sort of authority for your uh, for your customers. Because if you're not an authority and they need something, they'll go to, you know, some mass-produced mass marketplace and they'll get get the items as cheap as possible there. You need to produce authority. And if you can give your customers something, uh, that's that's of value. You will build trust. And actually, very recently, we've done this with um, with a service. Uh, you know, as I said, we have this massive database and we use cataloging system. So we actually launched this service to the customers and we don't charge anything. So basically, anyone comes to our site, they can identify uh, their antiques. Any homeware that we sell, they can upload a picture and identify, and it's a, it's a semi-automatic uh, process that runs against our database. So we essentially, we opened our core product as a secret product. We gave this to use for free to a really, really wide uh, audience. So immediately what we've seen is uh, people started taking us really, really uh, seriously as an authority, and, <laughs> and they're really using it and sort of... <laughs> must using it. I'm not saying that these these uh, people will immediately become our customers, but that that actually builds uh, builds trust. We're not charging anything. We're just giving you know we're giving out free advice, but it's a consistent advice they cannot get anywhere else in the same way for free uh, uh, on demand. Uh, so if you can do that, definitely, definitely that helps because then you know the user immediately, the customer immediately understands you're not just after the dollar. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really simple, you know, to, to produce something nice and send an email, you know, and, and, and pitch for a sale. Uh, it's a no-brainer. And, and usually it doesn't work. It will only work if, 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 if you have a product that the customer needs right now and will need all the time. Uh, but you need to convince the customer to, to, to spend that dollar uh, with you. So you need to make the journey as, as simple as possible. And part of that, and I think it's essential part of that, is, is building trust. Show that you're an authority, a very pleasant authority to deal with. You know, you're not heavy-handed. 
you're not uh, enough, uh, uh, you're trustworthy, the customer will come back to you. Got it. Now, when you, when you say building authority, I think there's a, a great advice because like you're saying if they can just find your product on, on Amazon or go to some uh, big box retailer and buy for cheaper, they'll just do that. But if you can't add value by becoming an authority, then that is a very defensible position and people aren't going or competitors are going to have a really hard time competing against you. So it sounds like for you, for you, your approach is to uh, spread education, right? You're giving people a tool to educate themselves. Does it come down to that? Does it come down to education as the way to establish yourself as an authority? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, uh, and that's that was at the core of our uh, uh, the whole idea of demystifying this uh, this market, and it's essential. I mean, it's it's an it's an old old beaten world, but disrupting this market uh, because uh, you know you you need to know what you're buying in antiques, and if we can easily teach people and very very ni- in a nice way, not a heavy way, uh, uh, educate uh, the customer uh, bit by bit and give them as, as, as much education as they want or as little as they want, uh, it's, it's, it's really up to them. Yes, it's definitely about, about education. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Jacob and Thomasina. So lavishshoestring.com, again, is the website. As you, we are coming into the holiday shopping season, how are you guys preparing? What are, what are some plans that you have to prepare for this season, Black Friday, Cyber Monday? What, what, are, what are your plans? Uh, okay. <laughs> the, 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 well, Tomasina is a merchandise, so she's she's peddling, she she's lining up all the merchandise. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, to make it really quick, uh, it's 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 really certain categories. We we know we have a lot of experience from previous years what what people are looking for, and it's it's uh, they sort of these categories repeat themselves. So we are making sure that we have uh, a wide choice in those categories. That's essential, uh, both in styles and in in price ranges. This is really the biggest thing. Um, on the more mundane thing is logistics. Uh, pretty soon we will see a spike in next day deliveries. Uh, I mean, will be probably most most December sales and uh, uh, definitely all December sales will be next delivery days and sort of expedited and we ship all around the world. So that will be you know basically sli- sleepless nights and uh, a, lo- a <laughs> lot of you know, yeah and lots of meat platters to yeah buy. a lot of couriers <laughs> um, so so it's so it's having enough products mm-hmm. the right products and being prepared logistic wise great that's great advice thank you both again so much for your time you're very welcome you're really welcome thank you very much for having thank us thank you here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. I will always um, start my day with um, some form of meditation and some form of exercise. So I already feel like I've accomplished something first thing in the morning. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com blog.